Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. There's the full time whistle. Listen to the reaction of the Chelsea fans because Manchester United are the latest to take a wrecking ball to Sarri Ball. United bounce back from their Champions League loss and further deflate Chelsea, who are starting to lose big game after big game. The Carabao Cup final live on TalkSport is now vitally important for Maurizio Sarri, if he gets the chance to take it. It's finished at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea nil, Manchester United 2. It's the Premier League preview show for week 27 of the 18-19 season. Is it too late to say you're sorry, or should that be sorry, but you're fired? The style of football nobody in England has seen work reached another low point as Chelsea got knocked out the FA Cup on Monday. Now it's a rematch against Manchester City in the Carabao Cup final, having already lost to Guardiola's men at Wembley this season and being thumped just a fortnight ago by the citizens. In the league, it's rare Man United and Liverpool doesn't get top billing. And although it's another big game for the ever-improving Red Devils, it's all eyes on Liverpool trying to retake top spot and end the recent spate of disappointing draws, including in the Champions League in midweek. That's the two top matches on this show, but there's plenty more to get into. I'm Tom Rennie and this is the Premier League Preview Show. Right, let's say hello to our panel, shall we? Uh, let's start with a man sitting on a very low chair today and a microphone which is, I would say, not high enough for him. Um, maybe they thought we were getting a borrower in, I'm not sure. Uh, Talk Sports Football Editor David Walker is here. You know what would be perfect, actually, in this situation? Go and on. We, and we do have one in the building. Go on. Is it a Bielsa bucket? <laughs> That's very true. Why aren't we using the bucket today? We should pause the recording and get that done. That's fantastic. Uh, this might hurt your back, so we'll try and get this show okay. done quickly and wittily today, all right? Uh, good to see you as ever. Also with us on the programme, two of our resident Premier League preview show experts. Uh, we'll start with a man who's also on a low seat today. Oh, no, he's not. Uh, it's the former Manchester United full-back, Paul Parker. You all right, pal? I'm fine, thank you. I'm calling that heightism. Yeah, OK, fine. I'm happy with that. I'm a heightist. <laughs> 
Uh, also with us, a uh, moderately tall man, uh, <laughs> former West Ham and Watford, and a few others, of course, striker, Republic of Ireland International, Fire Nord man, all of that. David Connolly's here. You okay? I'm very good, you. You happy with your seat? I'm, yes, very happy. Okay, good. I'm happy. Speaking of seats, will Maurizio Sarri still be in his seat this weekend by the time we get to the Carabao Cup final? It's Sunday, 4.30 UK time, Chelsea against Manchester City. Uh, Paul, let's come to you first on this. A manager under immense pressure, Maurizio Sarri against Man United on Monday. Uh, it's a game we were covering internationally. Dave was at the game as well. It was bizarre that in that second half, we had the audible <clears throat> Sari ball. Uh, we had the perennial substitution of Kovacic with Barkley. So a great line, which was, if Maurizio Sari had a fourth substitution, he would have brought Barkley back on for Kovacic. Like, he seems to do it every game in the 70th minute. And then, later on, he's got Giroud, hudson Adore. We're going out the cup, and he changed the right-backs over. What was going on on Monday? Why was that second half of Chelsea so dead? I wish I could really answer that question. And if I, if I was correct, then I maybe might give it a go at management. But no one really knows what he's doing in the sense of I didn't didn't make sense to me to take off Pedro to bring on Willian. Why is he he's doing everything which is exactly the same, which anybody could really do. But people saying about it's not working is sorry ball. What exactly is sorry ball? I mean, unless you watch Napoli regularly, you haven't really got a clue what it's meant to be. I see this, supposed to be this fast attacking. I see Jorginho play and disappointing, really disappointing. He's got the best player maybe in the world in that position in Kante and he's playing him out of a, playing him out of position, square peg, round hole scenario. Yet Kante's doing a good job, but he's not doing what he's really good at, which he's not been, he's not been allowed to do. And if he'd have been in his position... On that Monday night, things would have, could have been a little bit different in that midfield. Tracking back Herrera for the ev- first goal. Yeah, the, the whole Tracking thing Pogba for the second. The whole thing could have been a lot better in that midfield because we saw United against PSG in that midfield, Matic and Herrera together, and they struggled with the movement and the passing of PSG. With Chelsea, they didn't. They found it easier. They got close. Herrera, you'd have to say, maybe was the best. Maybe. One of the best players on the pitch. He's mostly, mm. for me, his best performance over 90 minutes in a Manchester United shirt. I've totally put out everything that he'd done before Ole Gunnar, everything before him, because he was playing a game which wasn't which wasn't Manchester United. It was all itty-bitty no. and very, very, very... It wasn't nice. Some Sniggly, nasty yeah, little it player. Wasn't, it wasn't Mourinho big, player. Yeah, I didn't want to say his name. Oh, but, I've done it, haven't I? Yeah, That's but, a fine for me now. It's 50p, I owe. But he's coming as a player now, and he's he's going to he's yeah. going to sign a new contract. But to be fair, though, David Connolly, if you're making Ander Herrera look like a world class player all of a sudden, there's something going wrong at your club. So take away from Jorginho and Kante, we know that as a thing. We've identified it. Everyone's identified it except Sari. What else is wrong at Chelsea? It can't just be one player's out of position, so it's all gone wrong. Well, I mean, I, I covered the game for TalkSport against Malmo, and, and actually they did okay, Chelsea, but obviously they're against much weaker opponents. But even Malmo <coughs> knew to go and press Chelsea when they had the ball at the back. You know, they didn't sit off. I mean, they felt that they were there for the taking. Look, Kepa, for example, to me, is not the goalkeeper that I don't think everyone else thinks. Yeah. Some of the goals he let in against Man City, I think he should have prevented. He's not as good with the ball at his feet than Edison, for example. Um, so I think they're actually weaker there uh, in goal than what they were previously um, they're not as good building up at the back everyone talks about uh, Kante and Jorginho but you know it's quite important because you know 
he does keep the ball a lot and that's how Sari likes to play but he doesn't really progress up the pitch that's the problem and look the two wingers play off opposite feet so they're always coming inside into traffic you're never going to deliver the ball in the box sometimes I look at whether it's Giroud or Higuain the ball isn't really going to come unless they thread it through the Ivor needle which is fine against Huddersfield because that's what's happened but against better sides it hasn't really and I think United were too powerful had too much pace, too much athleticism, and just ran all over Chelsea in midfield. Look, Kovacic is great with the ball. Jorginho is great with the ball. You know, but they're not great without the ball. The mm. only best player they got in front of that back four is, is Kante, and he's not there. Can I ask you, Dave Walker, about the crowd on Monday? Um, during the commentary of the game, it was, it was obviously quite difficult to assess exactly what was happening with the crowd. I didn't quite notice the... Sari ball chance. What was it like when the Kovacic Barkley move happened? What was the Sari ball chant like? Was it loud? Was it everybody? It, there was there was uproar um, in, when that substitution happened again, and it, it was you could see everyone knew it was going to happen, and, and they were almost they were waiting for it to happen so they could all get up and and start shouting expletives at Sari and groaning, and there was people leaving. Um, and the atmosphere, the atmosphere was a strange one on Monday. It, obviously, being an FA Cup game, you had the entire shed end was filled with Manchester United fans who were singing for the for the the whole match in, in great voice, as they always are away from home. And the Chelsea fans, you know, they're gone. That they 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 clearly have lost faith in in mm. Sari. They're not happy, and they there was they were joining in with you're getting sacked in the morning. Because last year when they were there. when they were losing, they were still yeah. saying Antonio the yeah. whole game. But this is this is not that, is it? There is no goodwill that you can audibly hear. No, I think with Antonio, you got to remember he changed formation, Antonio, to try and find a way out. Do you remember? I think it was after the Arsenal game, yeah. and he changed from a, a four to a three, and obviously found a way out. You know, but obviously Sari's not for turning, and his stubbornness, I think, is <laughs> yeah, it's going to cost him. Look. Eden Hazard is out of that club uh, in the summer. He's 100%, in my opinion, gone. And I think they've blown it. I do, because I think they're going to lose arguably one of the best players they've had for years. They lost Diego Costa, they're nine. They're going to lose their 10. And, you know, even signing like Pulisic, they can't use him till the summer. What good is that? I mean, he'll be out of a job in the summer, I think. Mm. Well, if not before. before, before that. Yeah. Well, what yeah. about, let, let's look ahead to this Sunday. What about Maurizio Sarri losing his job by the end of Sunday, Monday morning? What would the result need to be against Man City for him to stay? And not just winning the trophy, they've I suppose, compl- playing well. They're, if they're going to get beat, this, we have to turn and say there's, they're going to get beat. You can't really see them winning, but they've got to compete and they can't be embarrassed. They've got to be... They've got to be within a margin, within a decent margin if they get beat. It can't be any, even 50% of what they got beat at, at the Etihad will cost him his job. The fans are not going to stand for it. And as, as we know, Chelsea are the Real Madrid of English football in sacking managers. Mm. Obviously, they're lacking the history of Real Madrid, but that's what they are as a club when it comes to managers. I think as well, you've got to remember the community shield, Chelsea didn't lay a glove on City. No. Not a glove. And if this is anything less than 3-0 to City, I'll be I'll be so surprised. I think just, I think it's going to be the most one-sided final you've seen in ages. Because City, I think, are playing arguably mm. the best football in Europe. They've just got themselves going as well from their little bit of a bad spell, City. Yep. So that, and Liverpool had an opportunity to get away from them. They blew it. And I, and I just think they've allowed City to recoup get their players back and now they're starting to get together again. And if you go back to that game as well, they've obviously played games since. They just cut through Chelsea and I don't see any progression from that game to where Chelsea are now. Well, you haven't got to go back to the Community Shield no, for that. You go back two weeks for that. But my point is... they scored four in 20 minutes yeah, against them. Exactly. 
exactly. But my point is, nothing changed from that game to obviously then. You know, I don't see any discernible improvement. No. And they'll, they'll have a, a a big decision to make if they do lose this cup final convincingly, It'll, because they've got Spurs the following game, and you know, you might look at it and say, okay. We'll, we'll give until the Spurs game. We'll see how that one goes. But also, you, you could look at it the other way and think, actually, we want to give ourselves a chance of getting something out of this game. So, thank you very much. But then who next? And also, I think he's talking himself out of a job. I agree. You know, yeah. the things he says, you know, you've got to be careful. You know, confusion. Um, you know, the, the, the players aren't, aren't carrying out what I'm telling them. Lack of them. motivation. Lack can't of motivation. Well, I'll tell you what, if you can't, you know, that's what you're paid <laughs> to do. So, uh, But could Gianfranco Zola, could Eddie Newton, could um, Gus Hiddink, which I think Chris Sutton was, was talking about <laughs> earlier this week, do a better job? Gus Hiddink's 72 years of age now. Yeah, but again, could he come back in again and would say that be, Chelsea? Would that be the third time mm-hmm. he would have come back? It and would be, yeah. I think he's done. He's, that one's done its time, to be honest. I don't think even the fans would want that now. The fans, Zola, know, would you be happy with Zola? Would Zola, they be? Zola's as an ex-player, yes. But then, even then, the fans would I look at you'd... Zola's opportunities as when he's had the opportunities as a manager. He hasn't cut it. He's even said it himself with jobs. I think was it at Watford? I think was that his last job at Watford? West Ham. He said it was West definitely. Yeah. Yeah, but I think one of them he's actually said himself well, he, he just couldn't yeah. really well, he, do the, it. The last job he had was at Birmingham. Was it? Bir- yeah. That's and it. Thank you, David. And, yes. And it did go spectacularly wrong there. He, hmm. he he's a man who's resigned more than once. Uh, he's an honest man and knows when yeah. he, when he can't do what he wants to do, he'll he'll resign. <clears> and, but I think if he do get to the situation where Sari goes, he would obviously be the first man they'd have to put in there immediately and whether you want to have him for a longer period or than just a couple of games is, is another question but you know you've got Lampard's being talked about the fans would like to see him back but he, he's only just started at Derby he probably would be a hard decision for him wouldn't go now as well it would be a hard Derby decision in the you mix. might not want to go there yet you might want to go to Chelsea when you're ready when he feels he's ready but it obviously would be a, a real difficult decision for him to make he'd probably his heart would say he'd want to do it his head might say otherwise I mean is, would he really turn that down well, that's it he, I don't yeah. think he would I mean probably look, not but why can't he be a, a Kenny Dalgleish for example mm. or, or someone like or that you know, or a Solskjaer yeah. you know so a former uh, player and you've got to remember John Terry's now in coaching as well at Villa he was there on Monday I think he as was well. there on Monday so shaking it, a few hands it wouldn't surprise me would not surprise me if if some sort of you know duo or you know obviously you know Jody Morris is there as well former players that get the fans on side and yeah. you know you got to remember they've had a lot of foreigners as managers for a long time haven't they a couple of, of Italians have, yeah. and it'd be nice to maybe have someone British there yeah but I I think that might work better as a number two or something initially rather than a number one hmm. and the only the Oli Gunners was a, is a completely different scenario because the clubs are different in the way they, they've done things and the way they do things yeah. and I think with Chelsea and with the owner as well I just think to bring that bring that back I think it's going to I mean that's that could be a horror show Do you not think though that the Chelsea board or whoever's in charge you know might be looking at United and going well actually that's working for them all right Mm. you know employing someone a bit less glamorous but he was a player why don't we go down that route I mean I've tried every other route they might be but I I think I know we've got I know we've got to wrap up but I think that another question I want to ask is Mm. What happens if he wins this cup final? Yes, that is such a good question. Because really, if, if he you, beats Man City 3 0 on Sunday, is, is, does that make everything okay? Or if you've lost confidence in the man, if the players have lost confidence in the man, on, on any given day, a football match could go one way and they could end up winning it. It's unlikely, but they could end up winning it somehow on Sunday. 
But the problems that are still there, they're not just going to vanish overnight, are This they? is a great point, because Antonio Conte wanted to get rid of four or five of the first team. We know that, that uh, he wanted to get rid of loads of these guys he thought were, were bad influences in the dressing room. We know Willian was one of those people, but there are others as well. He wanted to make five or six changes. This is last summer. Get rid of this lot, bring in this lot, bring in different types of people. All the squad is basically the same. Apart from Jorginho, Higuain and the keeper, it's the same team, pretty much. Um, so would it not help Chelsea, even if they lost this weekend, to back this manager to the end of this season, maybe give him next season as well, he's a project manager, and allow him to have the six, seven, eight squad changes and get rid of what is clearly a whole bunch of bad apples? Well, possibly. I, I think, you know, arguably they've had opportunities to make some signings in the January window. It didn't really happen, apart from, you know, Pulisic, where you can't use him. Um, will they give him longer? I don't think, even if they won this cup final, you know, winning something didn't necessarily prevent them sacking Di Matteo, for example. Conte as well. The Conte. last game was the cup final, yeah. wasn't it? So I don't think that's going to keep him in a job. I've got, just got a feeling that they've lost confidence in him, regardless. We shall see. Uh, Man City this weekend, probably one of the toughest games that anyone can have in football right now. They go into it big favourites, of course. Really love to see Phil Foden play some of this game. I know it was only Newport last weekend, but both goals he scored were fantastic. And the, the third goal, just as Newport got back into it, the Ammon goal, like within seconds they just turned a switch, scored a great goal, and then shut it down again. I, I thought he was fantastic, and, and it was a very professional job. I just want to see him play in a game like this. I think I think most people kind of do. Uh, got to move on, though. Uh, in the next section of the show, I want to talk about a game that, bizarrely, isn't our top story this week. Uh, and it's Man U against Liverpool. That's next. Right, let's get to it. Man U against Liverpool. Sunday, 5 past 2 UK time kickoff. Man United through in the FA Cup. Last week, of course, Monday night beating Chelsea. Liverpool, disappointing draw against Bayern Munich on Tuesday in the Champions League. Jurgen Klopp said it's not a game that those who were there will remember in years to come. Um, they did struggle against a very well-drilled defensive Bayern Munich side, a side that are Champions League veterans eight times they've got out of this stage in the last ten years. So it was always going to be a tough old game. Um how will they react to that disappointment, Paul, against a Man United side this weekend away from home who themselves are going through a great resurgence and are a very good side at the moment? I would say they're reacting in a positive way because it's another big game. A lot of animosity there. I think that's a bit of an understatement, that one. But this game has suddenly grown even bigger now because Oni Gunnar's there, Manchester United are winning games of football. They've had a good performance and a good result in their previous game. Everything is made for this game. It's just a shame it's happening around that League Cup as well. So maybe that's taken, the League Cup has taken a little bit of it mm. away, which is, you don't often say that about the League Cup. But it's a it's a big, big game. So, so many people have, have asked me for tickets. <laughs> just, normally people just know themselves, well, don't bother asking. You got any? No. <laughs> Not at the moment. Not even for preview show friends. <laughs> but it's just—it's a game which everyone, pals. <laughs> everyone wants wants to see at this moment in time, mm. and and I make them right because this game has got could could be really a good game of football. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm more looking forward to it now than what I w would have been six uh, six weeks two um, two months ago. And, and it's it's one of the the games that Liverpool will be looking at, and. That they will be confident, I'm sure, of being able to to get a result to win the game. But it's it's one of their biggest hurdles. They've got potential bumps in the road that they've got for the rest of the season. 
if you can, in the Premier League. Man City are, as we've said, they're motoring on now. They've put the pressure on. They've got back top of the league. Liverpool, their position has slipped. And this is a game they could lose. What about this spate of draws Liverpool are having? It's, it's three draws in their last four games. Two in the league, one in the Champions League. Did beat Bournemouth in the Premier League by three goals to nil. Can we take anything from that, that they may be reacting to the pressure of being top? Maybe they're reacting to the pressure of, of City taking their spot? All, all their games won, they are Premier League champions, but they've started to not win. Yeah, possibly. I mean, look, they had a good 10 days break before this game, which a lot of uh, clubs would have wanted, you know, to refresh your mind, refresh your body. But actually, it looked like it was maybe a bit too long. You know, as it is, they went away. I think they got some sun on their backs. Um, difficult game. Obviously, Bayern weren't going to be easy. Um, you know, against Leicester, for example, they gave away far too many fouls. I thought they were naive knowing that Leicester have got real height and a real threat of set pieces and they just gave away so many needless free kicks and they look vulnerable from set pieces. Obviously, the West Ham game as well. I don't think they've been playing at the top or the peak of their powers, but I think, you know, a couple of draws there is not the mm. worst result. However, <laughs> you've got to remember, Tottenham are really in this. Now, if Liverpool mm. slip up here, you know, Tottenham can take full advantage and then if they win, they're only two points behind them. So, you know, this is a massive game and you've got to remember, the reverse game, United were absolutely awful. They only had the ball, I think, 30% of the time. Pogba was on the bench, Martial was on the bench. This is a completely different animal. Um, it's going to be a great game, an absolutely great game and, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if United do turn them over just in the form that they're in. Do you think Liverpool will rest a few players from the game midweek? So Jordan Henderson unlikely to be able to play two in a row in, in a very short space of time. The front three not quite firing. Maybe Divo Carigi gets a start and Firmino drops out. We, oh, we see that sub quite a lot later no, on. No, 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 no. It can't be. You're not going to start with Origi. Surely that, if you're a Liverpool fan, you wouldn't accept that. Your, your priority is to beat Manchester United because a certain person who's a Liverpool fan who works on Sky said if, Manchester United, if Liverpool beat Manchester United, they're going to win the league. That's what he's come out and said. Got to you. You play what's in front. If you're Jordan Henderson and you're going to accept to be left out because you can't play two games inside of so many days, what a load of rubbish that is! It's Manchester United. It's a derby game. You play in those games, and yourself. If you was to go and win that game as a player, you think to yourself, it's another step nearer to winning the league, to getting a medal. So you're going to want to play and be involved because people will talk about it. And one thing about footballers is that if you for the right if you've got everything you're there for the right reasons, you want to play in every single big game because there's nothing better than feeling that you've been there, more importantly, you've won that game as well. I think psychologically, you know, this is sort of tipped a little bit now because Liverpool are on a bit of a downer. Klopp's been saying it wasn't the result they wanted, you know, whereas United are on a real up, you know, just beating Chelsea in really good form, come back from the PSG game. So i got a feeling actually the scales have just tipped, you know, favourably in United's favour and I think they might be able to do them here. And then looking at, then when I was at the um, West Ham Liverpool game at the London Stadium and the way, Klopp, and I watched, I was just looking at Klopp and he was, every situation he was at the fourth official all the time, which I can't stand people to do that because at the end of the day, he's not going to change anything. So why are you bothering? Why are you wasting your time with him? Talk to your players and your coaching staff. They're, they're better people to talk to. You can get something positive from them. And you can just see it now. He was moaning. Even after the game, he never accepted 
that you know that he drew the game. When he looks at, it, he scored a goal which is hundred percent offside. They had a goal at the end. They had an opportunity at the end which is would have, was offside, but yeah. we don't know whether or not that would have been given because the referee blew the whistle. And they've just about got over the line against a West Ham side who really went for it. But he had excuses, and yeah. and, I, and I just think that's wrong sometimes because all you're doing is filling players' head with excuses as well. If you're positive, your players will be positive with you if you're saying the right things. If you start making excuses, mm. us footballers. We jump on the back of them after a while because it's a get out for us. I always wonder why managers don't hire an assistant to, just to shout at, like a Mr. Burn Smithers situation, <laughs> to stop them shouting at the fourth official. Just have someone there they can always have a go at. I like, think he's the worst, Klopp. I think him and his staff are one of the worst I've seen in the Premier League. For Certainly, this is. Yeah, they are non stop. Uh, you know, colleagues, I'm sure Paul knows people who maybe played against him and come up against him. They said they are, it is non stop. Does it just, work? Well, I, I think it does work. I think actually you grind them down and you start to get uh, decisions going your way. I, I, see, I work, Dave, I sometimes work on a negative that one. If you're going to keep at somebody, in the end they're going to go, well, you. I'm going to go the other way, like referees. If someone's ordered, they think all the time I talk to the referee, I get in it, he's going to give me something, and then we get something. I think, because if someone, you're walking down the road and you bump into someone, you pester and pester him, in the end, in a while, he's going to suddenly go, you, and just put one on you. Is this you, from personal experience, Paul? Not at all, because I'm not like that. I'm a nice fella. Are you the bickerer or the swinger? Which one of those are I'm you? I'm definitely not a swinger. <laughs> I'm definitely not that. I'm one of them. I might say something, but then I walk away. It's a family podcast, Yeah, Paul. but I'm, I'm not big enough to fight, as you've mentioned earlier. That I'm, you know, with your I'm still scared of you. I'm still scared of you. But I, d I don't agree with that, because right. if, if this psychology about if you keep doing it, you're going to grind them down, and you're going to get... In the end, he'll give you something because he's fed up with you. I think if he's fed up with you, he'll go the other way. Let's talk about you. Um, you mentioned it a minute ago, David Connolly. They were beaten by Paris Saint-Germain. The game plan was out the window when those two players went off injured. Um, they came back against Chelsea on Monday and they played what to me looked like a diamond formation. I've not seen them play it this season. Maybe some of you guys have, but I certainly haven't. Um, and they were very, very effective. They were very, very good. And we've got to, again, talk about Paul Pogba. Uh, Phil Neville this week talked about him being the best player in the Premier League over the last six weeks or so. And we can have a debate about it, but he's certainly up there, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, what has he got? Seven and nine under Solskjaer or something like that. Uh, he's their top scorer, uh, top assist maker. Uh, they've played a diamond a lot, you know, and, and uh, it's really worked for them. Um, however, against certain teams that push their fullbacks high, mm -hmm. Tottenham, for example, etc. Uh, look, they came up short against PSG, and I think for the first time, Solskjaer looked a little bit lost <coughs> on the bench. Like he didn't really know what to do. And I think. That's understandable because you're now competing at the very, very highest level tactically. And Pochettino last season, I don't know if you remember, they played Juventus and I think Allegri made a couple of tactical changes just to go and win the game. And that is the... We're now talking at the absolute highest level in football. And I don't think Oli's quite there yet. But like, I'm not saying he's going to be like Pochettino, but I think... You know, with time, he might. You know, people saying, "Oh, don't give him a job." He's not. You know, I think he might. He might learn that as a coach. But I think against PSG, he didn't really know what to do for the first time. But I'm hoping that that will come a bit like it did for Poch. I just think that was. I mean, that happening says a lot, really, because that meant that he he did have a plan and things were going well. When he had to change it, and he didn't have that edge. Where before, under under the previous manager, everyone knew how Manchester United were going to play. Mm. It was going to be exorb. Exorb, exorb, bring on Fellaini and hopefully he can nick us a goal. Mm. Now Manchester United have got more match winners and they're on the field because they're looking, always looking to score goals, to make goals, and it's making everyone 
look better than what they were previous. And he did get caught out of it, but I just think about only good. And the good thing is he's got people, good people surrounding him off the pitch and within the squad, within the squad, within the coaching staff, everything is going in the right direction. I think if they go out and get themselves a sporting director, a good one, a respected one, so the, he's the person who can maybe help bring in the top class players. Because I think Oli would struggle on his own. As much as he's a big name in Manchester United, scored a winning goal in the cup fire in the Champions League final, they need that little bit more. A player wants a little bit more, wants to know more exactly what line they're going down if they join Manchester United. Mm. and know enough about the club. They need to know whether or not Manchester United are really going to go out there, spend the money, trying to win a Premier League, but more importantly, trying to win the Champions League. I just wonder as well whether Liverpool are going to do something like PSG did in terms of sitting someone maybe on Pogba he's that important for them at the minute you know would you do that like Marquinhos did just I don't know whether it's a Henderson will he get right your job is basically track Paul Pogba you've got to stop him because look he's a big boy he's a powerful boy he gets a run on you in the box or gets half a yard he's going to finish you saw that against Fulham we saw that against Chelsea so I have to say I mean you are right in what you're saying but a Henderson can't do that he just hasn't got the legs he hasn't got the legs to handle a Pogba. Physically, he might be able to do it for a while, but I just don't think he could handle him legs-wise because Henderson is not an athlete. Like, Yeah, he gets no. up and down, but he's not. A, he can't change pace like um, a Pogba does. No, the only thing I'd say is that he, I think he can trust him You know, in terms of carrying out that job. He might not have the physical capabilities, but I don't know whether he really could say to Keita, for example, that's your job, or Fabinho. Whereas Jordan Henderson, I think, you know, he's a sort of player that you could, I think, entrust that to him. One thing that's absolutely for sure, this is going to be a fantastic game of football. Man U on the longest current unbeaten run in the Premier League. Nine games, eight victories in that time. Liverpool looking to do the double over the Red Devils for the first time since 13-14. Right, that is on Sunday. Plenty more to get through. Next up, I want to talk about Burnley, who take on Tottenham on Saturday early. Hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. 
Right, let's get to this one. Burnley against Tottenham. The Clarets moving away from the relegation places. Spurs still very much in the mix for the Premier League title. Only Man United are on a longer current unbeaten run in the Premier League than Burnley. Seven games without loss at the moment. Spurs have won 11 away games this season. The best record in the division. Uh, we'll park Burnley for a second and start with Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, talk that Harry Kane might be back for next weekend, not this weekend. Deli Alli coming back soon as well, but they don't really need them, do they? Without those two star players, they've found a new way to win, and, and David Conley, they're doing exactly that. Yeah, I mean, look, any side are missing, but actually they've coped really well, won all their games, so um, you know, faultless, I think. Uh, uh, again, Mauricio Pochettino finding a way to win, um, and the likes of Son, even Lorente, you know, when you got those players, Kane, Maura, um, you know, Ali, I know he's out as well when he comes back in. I mean, I tell you what, they've got a real chance in this title race, because they've got to play Chelsea, they've got to play Liverpool, and they've got to play City. Now, they're all away. They've got to win all those games. They've they? got to win all those games. But you know what? He finds a way, and you wouldn't put it past them. And they're a good away side, aren't they? As, as I've mentioned, they're the best away side in the Premier League this season. They are beating everybody on the road. Yeah, they are very, very good. I've been there a few times and watched them play Tottenham this season. It's a nightmare getting out of Wembley, though, isn't it? I have to get that one in, by Yeah, the so way. they keep moaning about. Why don't yeah. you try and build a new ground? Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, I mean, they're, they're a pleasure to watch when they do play. They're my favourite side to watch in the Premier League because I like the way they play. They're always looking to attack with pass, pass with a purpose. But more than anything, the reason why they're getting by, in my opinion, this season, small squad continuity. And they're just they built a, something in an inner, inner self, you know, with nothing, nothing phases us. We'll get on with it. We're not going to moan. And I think that stems a little bit from the fact of you haven't spent everybody in a... It got in my nerves this summer and everyone's going, oh, you haven't spent, you're this, you're that because you haven't spent. You know, why have you always got to spend money all the time? Why is it... Why If you've got money, why are you going to keep spending it? But if, if you've they got, had bought two good players, would they be top of the table right we now? We don't know. But I'll tell you what, they're not moaning now at the moment. Spurs are happy where they are given the fact of what it's cost them to be where they are at this moment in time. If they'd gone out and spent a two, three hundred million and they was in the same position, what's the game there what is the game would the game be the Premier League title possibly I mean what Paul says there is there's a lot of truth in that small squad but actually you've got you've got disciples of Pochettino that's what he's got now you know whether he, word. Like he whether he garners that or he only tolerates those players but he has a core group and if you're not with them you know I've heard he can make grown men cry coming out of his office you know he talks a great game but I've heard he can be absolutely ruthless but and the, you're either with him or players, against him the players that are with him they love him absolutely they yeah. go more than the extra yard and I think that's the key if you're not with him you're, you're out of there you, you know we've seen obviously certain players just not figuring on the bench but what he gets from them is just I don't think any other manager could get the same out of this group of players similar sort of story uh, Burnley in a way players who will run and and work and and live and die for the manager Um, it wasn't going great for them for long spells this season now they're on that unbeaten run and I was doing their game against Brighton a couple of weeks ago um, and, and pretty much the entire team was there last season. The star player was young Dwight McNeil, who's come through the academy there. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Sets up the, the third goal, I think, in, in the game. A uh, fantastic performance. And they just literally knock it long to Barnes and Wood. Two or three runners on there, defending really, really well. Um, but they're, they're suddenly performing great. And Tom Heaton as well coming back in makes such a difference. But they've gone they? back to basics, Tom. 
Well, at the start of the season, I saw in West Ham, they were trying to play from the back and playing balls into midfield, and mm. West Ham were just breaking them down. And everywhere they've got, all of a sudden, they've gone back to what they were good at. They've they actually remembered where it all started from. They've gone back there. Our and, work teams. Yeah, and, and then they've, every player now knows his job. He's simplified it. These players are not top quality, what everyone would say, but they, you can tell them certain bits to do. Don't go too far with them, and you'll be fine. And that's what he's done. He's made their game easier for them. And, and he's played two up top, yeah. which a lot of teams in the Premier League won't do. You look at Brighton in that game, you know, one up top, yeah. basically they're never going to score. It takes them so long to get in the opposition box. Burnley, ball drops in midfield, bang, hook it on. Go on, you get after that. Two big, strong yeah. target men, and they're good, and they can finish, yeah. you know. So I don't think the Tottenham centre-halves will be looking forward to this game. No, it's going to be very, very difficult, but we must say Spurs have got two decent athletes centre-halves, both... Love can deal with physicality as well, but give them, they'll do the hard work. But when they do get the opportunity, they can play as well. When you talk about two two centre halves who are adaptable, mm. Tottenham have got two of the best ones. And it's an early kickoff. If they win here, Tottenham, it'll be difficult. If they win, they can put the pressure right back on the others. I love that Super Yan celebration. Do you love that when he pulls the shirt off and to shoot the Superman thing? That's one of my favourite things. I hope he scores this weekend. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Arsenal against Southampton. Arsenal have beaten in their uh, last 12 Premier League home games, 10 victories in that time. Here's a nice one. Southampton are looking to complete their first league double over Arsenal since 87-88. When they did that, a 17-year-old Alan Shearer scored a hat-trick for the Saints in this very game. Uh, let's talk Arsenal first. It has been a bit doom and gloom for Arsenal in recent times. The injury issues and, and all the have they got better under Emery? Would Wenger have done any worse than this? And all that sort of stuff. Um, but the home form remains very very solid, doesn't it? Still very very good. They beat everyone, Dave, at home, don't they? Yeah, and what, what's happened in recent weeks though, the big, the big thing from Arsenal's perspective is Man United have pipped them back into the top four. Because they were a, a, a month or so ago they were looking at that and thinking, well, we've just got to finish ahead of Chelsea, basically, and we'll, we'll, we should be top four. But now, OK, United are back in the picture and Chelsea are gone. Um, so they've got to keep winning. They've got to win these games. They've got to keep the pressure up because they, you know, unless they want to win the Europa League, which is a, a, perhaps a possibility, although they did lose 1-0 to B Borisov in the first leg of their mm. Europa League game. Um, top four is, is what, they, what they want and what they need. We are recording this before the, the Barté Borisov game, but I was reading because it's a 5:55 UK time kickoff. They're expecting only about 20,000 in the Emirates Stadium for that game for kickoff because you know it's central London. People are at work, so they can't get there, which you know might make that a more difficult match. Um, depending on, of course, how, how they get on there is how they might feel about Southampton this weekend. But Southampton got to show some sort of response. Um, the the Harsen Hootel kind of revolution was about bringing in youth players, ambitious players, energetic players, and getting them to run and work and fight for the badge and they were doing that and then all of a sudden it stopped working and you know you're losing at home to Cardiff in the last minute that's going to be tough to recover from isn't it yeah I mean that, that was a real blow obviously they got back into the game late and then conceded a really bad goal Stevens giving the ball away in his own half trying to play out uh, they've lost Danny Ings he's injured at probably the worst time so really they're relying on Shane Long he's got one goal you know so if I was a Southampton fan I'd be thinking well why don't we sign a striker in January, you mm. know, dip into the championship maybe and spend, I don't know, 15, 20 million because that might keep you up. The way they're going now, they look like there's only one place and that's, and that's down. 
Uh, tough game for them this weekend, no doubt about that, against Arsenal. Do you think they might, they'll make it, Southampton? I mean, Danny Ings is a shrewd signing in a lot of ways, but you're never going to get more than 20, 25 games from all season. No, and there's a, so there's a lot resting on the likes of Nathan Redmond, who's, who has been terrific. He's but well, hasn't he? He has, but they just don't have enough goals from elsewhere. And that's a real worry, because look, January coming, they, like Carrillo hasn't worked out, Nusi, for example. I think they should have gone and made a signing, because look, that could arguably be the difference between staying up or going down. Yeah, they're in it right now in the relegation zone 18th in the table 24 points uh, going up to Crystal Palace in 13th and 27th so it's very very tight between a whole bunch of clubs uh, one club who don't seem to be in that mix because they're pretty much gone is Fulham uh, they go to West Ham on Friday 7.45 UK time kickoff um, West Ham just one win in seven so not a given this one uh, for the Hammers but Fulham on the road this season, just two points from the last 45 available. Uh, Paul, you're a former Fulham man, of course, and uh, and they just simply got to go out and beat West Ham on Friday, I think. They need some unexpected wins from somewhere, and it's the mid-table where you're more likely to pick some points up. Well, I think you use that word unexpected because I think it will be. Every game they go into, there's no belief from anybody that Fulham can win it. And after seeing them a few times this season, home and away, you have to believe that, ain't, that isn't going to happen because you just don't see enough there. I thought that um, they might have done something better in January. I thought I might have seen a few more resilient players coming, but it didn't really materialise. There was talk of Drinkwater and even Danny Simpson coming in because there's a big problem with um, Cyrus Christie at right back. I just you just know he's not fancied, but it hasn't really happened. So as a, being a, you know a lot of Fulham fans, they'd look at it and go. This isn't going to happen this season. They come up and there was a lot of belief that they were going to start with the football they played. Mm. They tried it. Didn't work because they tried to play it with not top players in the top division. Great in the championship, playing from the byline and trying, and trying to get the other end. Worked to a point. But when you go and, when you try it in the Premier League and it, isn't, and it doesn't work, then you have to do something else. Jukanovic would not change. Big injury problems defensively, never sorted out, went out and brought went and brought defenders, but they couldn't play in that fashion he wanted. So <clears throat> Fulham for me, Fulham are down as far as I you just can't see anything. They've got one player who everything everything's is all around, centres around, is Mitrovic, and he gives everything, but even now you're starting to see him now, he's showing that side of him where you just know he's he's starting to bite back at things where before he was very disciplined in what he'd done. He's willing to take a bash if someone's willing to, to you know, accept what he's going to give and he'll go with it. But now he's starting to now get a little bit feisty now because he's totally frustrated. I just think that they've actually made the wrong managerial move. They selected Ranieri, I think, to try and carry on maybe the philosophy of Jukanovic, but actually they needed a firefighter to keep him up. I mean, those players couldn't play the way that I think Jukanovic wanted to play in the Premier League. And they just brought someone in just to continue playing the same way. And, and to me, they should have been more direct, played in the opposition half. They're playing in completely the wrong areas. Uh, defensively, they're all over the place. I'm not saying they should have got a, a big Sam, but, you know, they needed a firefighter to come in and play the ugly way. Well, he way is the firefighter, isn't he? And just like, keep you them are in, saying they should yeah, have got Big Sam. Mate, possibly. Just keep them in the league. Because, yeah. you know, they, they've actually just continued trying to play out. Um, in, in As I said, and it's just not that the players that they have aren't good enough to do that. And um, there's only one. They're down. That's it. What about the hierarchy at Fulham and the way they've handled the last 18 months or so with Jukanovic 
going, Ranieri coming in, but also the, what, 100 million odd they spend during the summer, the fact that they got <clears> up with a bunch of low knees that they weren't going to stay at the club. You know, Alfie Mawson coming in. I think we had Chris Perry on this show saying he's the worst defender in the Premier League last season, and he's coming for 20-odd million pounds. I mean, how much blame can they take? Can we blame Jukanovic, Ranieri and the players, or should the people running the club take a lot of responsibility for how bad this season has been? They have to. They have to, because... That this isn't the first time that they've had problems with the recruitment side of things. There, there were rumblings in in championship seasons gone by where Jukanovic wasn't happy. There, were, there was talk that he was going to walk out, that he was going to leave because of disagreements with the way that the, the players are recruited. I think it was Shai Khan's son is involved in the recruitment of the players, and you know they, they've recruited some good players, but you look at to, to get them up. But look at the players they they recruited in the summer. It, it, what's the strategy? Yeah. And it, there was no harmony there, and they've they just chucked a load of money at it, and it's going to cost them big time. Well, I mean, look, they they obviously had Matt Target. They couldn't get a deal over the line for him. That meant they were left short with a left back. Sessegnon, you know, probably a bit inexperienced, so he plays higher up. Callan Chambers they brought in, but again, he's played holding midfield. Then at the back, I mean, they've just had square pegs and round holes the whole time. Tried a back four, tried a back three. They've tried everything, <laughs> and it just hasn't worked for them. I don't get the Callum Chambers thing at all. It's... They're playing Dennis Adoy as part of a two or a three, who we've said a few times now. I don't want to keep singing this guy out, but he is absolutely useless. Like, dreadful footballer, and yet they've got a centre-half who can play there, play in the midfield, and they've got holding midfielders, you know, like McDonald at the club. You might not think he's great, but he's an actual holding midfielder who can do it. And yet he's not getting in the holding midfield role because they're playing a defender there. You know, little things like that don't make any sense to me. Well, they're playing Tom Kearney at in wide positions and Tom Kenny's not blessed with great pace good footballer I mean I, I was at the game the other, um, was the game I just, I'd just been there and they got they got Manchester United going 3-0 yeah yeah they bring him on and he made a difference when he come on because he because he, he, he gets on the ball and he can he runs with it he, he can see a pass and, and he keeps it he doesn't very very rarely gives the ball away but he, he doesn't get a game and Callum Chambers you talk about Callum Chambers and everywhere he's gone as a defender He's been quite poor, mm. to be perfectly honest. So instead of putting him in defence where he generally might make a mistake and cost a goal, they've got him in the position where he can defend. The problem is when when they've got the ball, he's the last person you want to have the ball with time on it. That's the problem. He comes in, he'll he'll pull it in behind, play one touch and knock it in behind, and he'll make tackles, he'll win headers. But when they've got time, he's not the ideal person you want in that midfield with the ball. Uh, almost am. Not won a game since they beat Arsenal on the 12th of January. Uh, got knocked out the FA Cup by Wimbledon in this run as well. Uh, should have lost against Crystal Palace. They were great first half, but second half, Palace could have scored five or six. The chances were crazy that they had um, in the end. 33 points, they're not going to go down, but, but at the moment they just feel like they're listing a bit, David Connolly. Yeah, they are, and I, I guess um, I'm sure Arnautovic will come in for this game. I'm sure he'll start. Um, he's back on track now. Uh, but they should be up there catching the likes of Wolves. There's no way that they should be finishing behind Wolves, even though Wolves have spent an awful lot of money in doing great. That should be the sort of finishing position they should be aiming for. To mm. me, with the players they got, the money they spent, this season hasn't been good enough. Uh, yeah, sitting 10th at the moment. Big game for Fulham that Friday, 7.45 UK time kickoff. Right, plenty more to get through. Another game on Friday up next as Cardiff take on Watford. 
Right, Len, let's talk Cardiff up against Watford. 7.45 kickoff on Friday. Cardiff looking to win three consecutive top flight games for the first time since 1961. Watford have shored it up at the back in recent weeks. They've kept a clean sheet in three of their last four Premier League matches and got victory against Queen's Park Rangers in the FA Cup on Friday at Just Gone. Um, let's talk a bit about Cardiff City because I think all of us thought that they were going to be relegated come the end of this season and yet they've had, a, of course, the tragedy around the club in the last couple of weeks but, but moving away from that and talking about on the pitch they outplayed Bournemouth and they outfought Southampton and now out of the relegation places it's a, an incredible turnaround really it is um, and look they've had a, a really emotional roller coaster time uh, didn't have a lot of the ball against Southampton but Warnock you've got to be given credit he made two changes and they worked he took off Bobby Reid brought on powerful Kenneth Zahor he won themselves a corner obviously delivery came in and they scored and it, to me he seems like he's although maybe he might have accepted a, a point for example away from him he went for the win because I think he knows uh, and a bit you know you've got to give credit to those those sort of managers maybe like a Dyche who realises you know what at times we're going to have to be a bit direct a bit British you know yeah. and try and get get three points because there's no point you know maybe just trying to take one at this moment in time three makes an awful lot of difference so uh, real credit to them and I tell you what the way they're going they, they, they just show character and, and, you know, a lot of the sides maybe in and around them really haven't. So you think that they might have a good chance. If we went down to a final day and Cardiff needed something on the final day to stay up, and in that team there's Harry Arter, there's Joe Rawls, there's Callum Patterson, there's real fighters in there. And they're Bennett, up against... Bennett, the left back. Bennett, there's, there's so many in there. Sol Bamba, I mean, you can go through the entire team, really. So many players that will just <clears> grind it out till the end. They need a point and they're up against someone like Newcastle or up Oof. against someone like... Crystal Palace even, Southampton, you know, guys who are a great one week, terrible the next. I think I'd back Cardiff to get what they needed to stay in the division. No, I have to agree with it. I never thought I'd be actually saying that I believe that could happen, but the way they've gone, I saw them at Crystal Palace and where I fancied Palace, but then Palace do struggle to score at home, but Palace still dominated them, but they still showed a resilience which suggested that they were always going to be in for the fight. And I think there was everyone bankers to go down because Neil Walnut's record... Gives you that, gives you that, op mm. that opportunity to say that because he's just not good in top flight. But I think he's gone a little bit, you know, he's gone against the grain at the moment in time, and it, it seems like they're going to stay up. Could be a crowning achievement for Neil Warnock on Watford through to the last eight of, of the FA Cup. Some really professional performances in recent weeks. Yeah, especially last week in, in, in the FA Cup wasn't wasn't the best match, but they did what they needed to do. Scrappy goal, scrappy performance, got through in the quarter final against <coughs> against Crystal Palace, who beat Watford in the semi final um, a couple of years ago. And I'm, I'm dreading the game. To be honest <laughs> with you. I'm dreading it, even though we've beaten them twice already this season. I can just see Zaha having a day against us and, and winning. But this game, the weekend, is an interesting one, difficult one. Not we've not got a, a great record over there in recent times, and I. As you said, they're playing a lot better. They seem to have picked up some momentum, Cardiff, over over recent weeks for, for a variety of reasons. And as a Watford fan, I'm looking at this game on a Friday night. I'm thinking, I'll, I'll take a point all day long at this stage. Well, they, got, they, got, hey, they got a good three against Everton, you got to say. Yeah. And the goal was uh, so well-crafted. The little ball from Cathcart round the corner Lovely, was it? absolutely yeah. exquisite. Great ball in from Will Hughes. And um, I think, look, they've got tough games coming up. I yeah. think they've got Liverpool, Man City. So I think they probably would like to take something from this game, yeah. even though it's away from home. Yeah, As I was saying, 37 points now. Three more is 40. They can forget about the league then and try and win the FA Cup. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, let's move on. Bournemouth against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Saturday, 3 o'clock UK time. 
Bournemouth are such a basket case of a club at times. They've won their last two home league games by an aggregate score of six goals to nil, including thumping Chelsea in that timeout, playing West Ham too. Wolverhampton Wanderers, another team through to the last eight of the FA Cup, won three of their last five Premier League away games. You know, two teams that love to play football, two teams that will go out and attack this game. And, and I think Paul Parker, in many ways, it's the toughest game of the weekend to predict. So do that for us. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it is a tough one yeah. to call. We're, we're born with the way they are, but then you look at Wolves, and Wolves can go out on a day and beat anyone in the Premier League. As we, I mean, they had a little bit of good fortune with the goal they scored against City at the top of the season. But other than that, when you see them against a bit of fortune, the goal they scored against Newcastle as well, yeah. wasn't it? Okay, you can right. blindfold the goalkeeper before you score. <laughs> It'll work out quite nicely for all yeah. of us. But you watch Wolves play and the football they play. I mean, they did it last season in the Championship. They've Championship. They've brought that into the Premier League and they've got some really good players. They are bringing in some unbelievable players who are making them name, names for themselves in the Premier League and you can see them progressing. They're a club that is going to keep going forward and they're not in a false position this moment in time where they are. It's fantastic what they've done. Can they go there and win? I believe they can. I really do believe they can go there because we see Bournemouth defensively. They're very, very poor. For me, the only success story for Bournemouth is a young lad, Brooks. Mm. He is an incredible player who will not be there next season. This is a, a case of the sort of rare, lesser-spotted mid-table six-pointer. Yeah. Because they're both going for seventh place, and currently Wolves are six points ahead of, of Bournemouth. <laughs> Bournemouth can claw it back, but if Wolves win this, you know they'll be looking back at that, at that pack and think we, we've got a real chance of finishing seventh. I, th- I think they're lucky they actually had decent wins against West Ham and Chelsea, Bournemouth, because mm. their form since November has been atrocious. They've lost 11, um, th- lost eight straight away from home. You know, uh, any time they're away from home, you think it's a banker to the other side. And I think it's a good job they got those those six points. If they didn't, they'd be right down with the others, really struggling. Uh, and look, Wilson. they missed Callum Wilson and He's David out Brooks. This weekend. Yeah. yeah, both out this weekend. Uh, likely that Junior Stanislas will miss this one as well. Of course, Lewis Cook, Charlie Daniels, Simon Francis. A, a decent injury list for, for a squad the size of Bournemouth. Uh, one quick line on Walls. They've used fewer players than any other team this season. Just 18 in the Premier League, which, which maybe goes to show uh, why they've had that on-field consistency. Let's move on. Newcastle against Huddersfield is Saturday, 3 o'clock UK time. Newcastle looking to win three consecutive home league games for the first time uh, since 2018, April 2018. Huddersfield and, and Town. And they're going to do it. Yeah, lost 12 of the last 13. And uh, it's tough. And these kind of games are tough, though, aren't they? Because because Huddersfield are so down and so awful. You know, they probably will get an extra point that puts them above Derby's 11-point level at some point. Don't know when, but they probably will get a draw somewhere along the line. So they're not the worst team in Premier League history. But irrespective of that, they are the worst team in Premier, Premier League, League history. history. And that's tough right now for teams to, to go up against because you expect to win. Even Newcastle would expect to win this. And imagine it's 85 minutes in, you've not scored against Huddersfield. You know, I've been a fan of a club in that position. You're going mad thinking, if we can't beat this lot then what's wrong with us huge yeah. for Newcastle I mean look against Arsenal it was fairly comfortable but they still had opportunities Huddersfield to get in behind but just their final pass was so poor and they've only got Aaron Moy without him I mean they've got basically nothing so I'd say yes this is a home banker I think the, the fans will get behind their club here I hope he doesn't just play one up top as he has done you know in a back five or three into a five though, he? like, he's not going to play well, two up front here is he well I don't think Who so but I, I just like him to, to, to hopefully play a little bit more attacking football look, Longstaff's come in and he's done great but but it's not going to be a game for the purists, this one. 
Yeah, I like Longstaff. Good to see someone like from the area playing for Newcastle. There's something magical about that. I love it when that happens for teams, and I'm loving that. I think it's absolutely fantastic. If only we could uh, we could show you the look on Paul Parker's face <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> just, You're not looking forward to watching this one, are you? I, no, not even watching. I don't, not even, I don't even want to talk about it. It, just, <laughs> it doesn't. As soon as he said that, I, it just didn't entertain me. I completely switched off. And Dave's talk, Dave's saying about Benitez, about one up front. He's not going to change, is he? He no. did it at Liverpool, didn't he? He was very negative. And the top players were getting him out of trouble. He's gone to Newcastle and he's just making it plainly obvious to everybody trying to say, I, I want this, I want that. You're not giving me it, so I'm just going to I'm just going to deliver you that. And, and that's what he does. It's, he's just giving you something. Well, one player that might rev your engines for this one, we've got to mention Miguel Almiron, who made his debut against uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, played for about 10, 15 minutes, looked very bright, very alert, very pacey, potentially uh, uh, a starter in this game, having had a bit of time to bed in for, for Newcastle United. And, and I tell you, we've got a lot of listeners in America to this programme. Everyone is very excited to see how this guy does. Yeah, I mean, he's he's expensive. He might need time to sort of acclimatise. I don't think they've really got that much time. A gentle introduction. I imagine this will be a game he should definitely be starting. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect start. I like him. I think he could do really, really well. Uh, right, let's move on. One final game we've not mentioned this weekend. Leicester against Crystal Palace. is 5.30 UK time on Saturday. Get excited, Paul. It's going to be a good one, all right. Um, Crystal Palace, they love. They just love playing Leicester. It's a weird situation. Um, they've won each of their last three Premier League games against Leicester by an aggregate score of nine goals to nil. Can I just ask you all about Wilfred Zahar? Uh, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Crystal Palace pulled a fast one there on the FA, didn't they? When he got banned for clapping the official and they appealed that after the first game ban so he could play against West Ham, star against West Ham, but then took the second ban, um, or second part of that ban, against Doncaster in the Cup so he could play in the Premier League game and not in the game their second team would have won or probably could have won anyway. I feel like they've really got away with that. It's yeah. really annoyed me that they've been able it's, to do that. It's not their fault though, is it? They've well, taken I, advantage of a loophole in the rules, so good luck to them. It's the FA's problem. The, the FA shouldn't allow that but to doesn't happen. But it, doesn't it annoy you a little bit? I'm not saying, no, alright, it's yeah, not Crystal Palace's fault or it anything, does. but it does. But why can't they have convened that meeting almost immediately. What took ten days about it? A word of the FA, mate. Well, I'm hoping well, someone from the FA is listening. We <laughs> saw it at Ramos as well, didn't we? In terms of you know, shall I get booked? Shall I get booked? I mean, it's just it's just tactical, and I think it's worked in their favour. And you got to say they, it worked well. Yeah, I suppose so. Crystal Palace away from home, very very good. Won a lot of uh, big games this year on the road. Um, they, they have struggled at home at times, but away. We saw against Doncaster as well in the Cup. We've seen at Wolverhampton Wanderers this year and many other times. Away from home, they're a very, Man City. very good side. Yeah. Of course, Man City. But they could do with a win here just to keep that distance away because they're, they're not far off. You know, it would take a Southampton win, a Cardiff win, Newcastle win, three things which not necessarily all going to happen at once, but it doesn't take much across a weekend for them to be right above the bottom three, if not even in it. You know, soon. So they they do need some points. I mean, if you're going to look at most size and you're going to ask a question, who you think won't go down, who you think shouldn't go down, because what they are is Crystal Palace. Yeah. They are much better than yeah. what than what the league suggested at this moment yeah. in time. Their wage bill is much bigger <laughs> yeah. than being they should in a relegation be. No, they should be better, but they are, as you say, away from home, and they're going to go to Leicester. And Leicester, you still don't know what you're getting with Leicester. Is the manager going to make so many changes? Is he going to drop Vardy? Leicester can only play one way, and if Vardy's not on the pitch, they've got a problem. The manager has to play in a way to suit Vardy. When he tries to play football and tries to play it through with Vardy there, it isn't going to work. They're not going to mix it up. Their best football at the moment is Madison, Mm. and he keeps taking him off. Uh, you know, Even just, when they're chasing a goal, he's taking yeah, yeah, it off. I, just, I find it really strange what's happening now. Madison's another player who I believe will move to a maybe a bigger club 
so he can, then you'll see then you'll see how good he really is because mm. I mean he's a good player now, very good at Norwich last season. He's proved himself, in my opinion, already in what he's done with Leicester. That next step for, next step for him is an important one. I think he's similar to Brooks. They've both been brilliant, yeah. uh, come up from the championship. But Zaha should be having a similar effect as, 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 as Madison. I mean, he's only scored a couple of goals this season, Zaha. They've been heavily reliant on the likes of Townsend. He's got to do more. If he's their main man, he's got to start producing, Wilf. Yeah, I actually think Andros Townsend's their main man. I think he's he been is. fantastic he's, yeah. for a long, long time now. Some great goals as well. Uh, another assist against Doncaster as well. I think he's their top assist maker and, and second top scorer. Something like that. Fantastic season. Uh, briefly, Crystal Palace manager Roy Hodgson. 71 and 198 days he'll be uh, on Saturday, making him the oldest person to take charge of a Premier League game. How long can he go on for? Another 10 years? Four more years of Roy? I mean, it's an incredible, incredible career he's had and... It, it, it's, it's going so well for him right he, now at Palace. Why not, why not carry on? He's showing no sign of stopping. Uh, he's still enjoying it. And it's probably one of those situations where if, if you if, if you are 71 and you're in such a high-profile job, you probably don't want to stop because you're probably fearful of what happens when you do stop. Yeah, <laughs> very true. You know? End up here, <laughs> talking to us <laughs> for almost no money. Yeah. And on that, we've run out of money to pay you two, so we're going to end the show. Thank you very much indeed for coming on the preview show again and enjoying our jibes. We are back with another show next week. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.